0: Good to see you guys this morning. We're on week three of a a short series leading us up to Easter and a celebration of um, our faith and the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, As we've gone through this series in week one, we talked about what the gospel is. um, And the gospel is simply good news, it isn't instruction. Uh, For you to get your life together, it's not a list of commands uh, for you to do in order to be loved and accepted by God. It is the amazingly good news that God sent His Son, Jesus, to save us. Incredible news, to forgive us of sin, to grant us His righteousness, to make us children of God. And what we do with this news, again, is not to clean ourselves up and make ourselves worthy. What you do with good news, any news really, is believe it or not. And the good news is the good news of what Christ has done for us, and it's a call to believe that good news, to trust in Him. Last week, uh, Dan shared with us what it means to believe. And believing isn't just having information and head knowledge. A lot of us have plenty of head knowledge and we have plenty of information, but we don't really believe what we have in our head. Um, uh, believing is, is, is trusting that the information that you have there is, is true. Um, it, it, it's more than just knowing the story of the gospel or having knowledge of that in your life. It, it, it's trusting. It's trusting in the life, death, and resurrection for, for God to do for you in that what you could not do for yourself. It, it's, a, it's a deep belief. It's, 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 it's clinging to that as if it must be. It's a knowledge, right? We have to know it, but it's a knowledge that engages us at our deepest level, our, our mind, our will, our emotions. We, we trust it. We hold on to it. It is our confident expectation. So as Dan pointed out, it's ultimately that faith. It's not knowledge, but that faith that shapes my life. Um, and, and it's not simply uh, our willpower that shapes us into the image of Jesus. It's knowing Him deeply and personally and trusting in who He is and what He's done. This is what gospel fluency is about, and we talk about gospel fluency a lot at New City. It's just being so immersed in this beautifully good news of Jesus that we begin to see all of life, all of life, not just our salvation, through the lens of that good news we see the implications of the gospel touching every area of of our lives we we see that it's it's believing this good news truly believing this good news that changes us so we we continue that this morning and this morning um what what we're questioning is is how so so when we talked about the the Um, the meaning of the gospel. We we summarized it as Paul did in 1 Corinthians 15. It's the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And over these next few weeks, we're going to look at the life of Jesus and how that good news of Jesus' life changes our life. We're going to look next week at the death of Jesus and how the good news of his death, as terrible as that sounds, is indeed good news that changes our life. And then on Easter, we'll celebrate the resurrection and talk about how that part of the good news shapes who we are. So this morning um, we're we're looking at at his life and our life and talking about how Jesus's life changes and shapes our life. A lot of what we're going to be talking about is going to be familiar this morning if you've been in church for very long. So so I want you to pray with me that God would keep us focused. Pray with me that that God would, would teach us And and renew the joy of our salvation this morning, that we would see Him uh, even more beautifully and more clearly, and that this gospel would be even more joyous for us today. Would you pray all that with me? Good. Let's pray together. Father, uh, we thank you. Thank you that we can come and we can sing beautiful songs. We can laugh together. We can greet each other and um, and enjoy one another. We can enjoy the presence of your Spirit. And even now, um, what a joy it is that we can come together before you, our great God and Savior, um, the mighty Creator of all things. Uh, we come humbly. Uh, before you. And we, we, we pray for the remainder of our time today. We pray that your spirit would be good to teach us, to help us stay focused on uh, the good news of the gospel and to understand it more deeply. Not just to gain knowledge of, of, of what the gospel is, but, but but to truly cling to that good news. To be shaped by the life of Jesus. Now, Father, would you would you be gracious today To do what only you can do through the power of your spirit. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so let's start this morning as we're talking about how the gospel changes everything. How his life changes our life. Let's start um, in John chapter 1. Should have everything on screen. If you want to turn there in your Bible, you can. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Jesus, the word, became flesh. The Word became flesh. John chapter 1, beginning in in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So I want to pause right there for a moment. John is expressing here the eternality of Jesus. Jesus, the Word made flesh. Jesus is equal. Jesus, the Word. John is saying Jesus is equal with God in every way as the second person of the Trinity. Now our belief on the Trinity, I'll just read it straight from our beliefs page on our our website Um, when we talk about God being a, a triune God. One true God eternally existing in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit co-eternal in being, co-eternal in nature, co-equal in power and glory, having the same attributes and perfections." And What John is saying here is that Jesus is God. That Jesus was God. Jesus was God. Jesus was with God. He was in the beginning. Before there was creation, before anything was created, Jesus already was the eternal second person of the Trinity. All things that have been created were created and made through Him. John says He is is the giver of life. He is life. And if we skip down to verse 14, John continues, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son, from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, So now what John is saying is the eternal second person in the Trinity who was with God and who was God, the Word, became flesh. And what he means is that Jesus became human. Now this is, this is tough for us to grasp. I understand it. But Jesus became human. God took on flesh. God took on flesh and, and came to dwell with His creation. In, in doing this, Jesus, when He came and took on the flesh of humanity, what He did was make known to everyone what God looks like. Now, I don't mean in physical form, but, but He was bearing the image of God. This is, this was God with us, Emmanuel. Jesus, in His coming in the flesh, Jesus was born. This too, y'all, like, like, like fully human. And this is important for us to grasp. He was fully human. When, when Jesus was born in the flesh as a baby, He, he came just like, just like our babies come. And, and, and He was unable to feed Himself, and, and, and He couldn't talk. Right? He wasn't wasn't born talking and and quoting scripture. He was born just like every other baby who, who can't feed himself, who can't care for himself, who can't change his own diaper. Yes, Jesus wore a diaper that had to be changed. God, the creator of all things, took on human flesh. He had a family, he had friends, he had enemies. He made furniture with his dad. He made furniture. I mean, that's, that's so incredible to me. Jesus, God took on flesh, and he, he, made, he made furniture with, with, with his earthly dad. And when he hit his finger with the hammer, it hurt. He probably didn't say the same things that you do <laughs> when you hit yourself with a hammer. But he, but he felt it. He, he felt he felt the pain. Jesus, Jesus felt sadness. Jesus felt loneliness. Jesus experienced temptation. The word became flesh. Just like us. And Paul tells us something more about Jesus becoming flesh, becoming human in in Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 12. This is a lot. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now, the law came... In to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I, I know there was a, a, a lot there, but but here's where I want us to focus on. Jesus didn't just become a human. Jesus became the second Adam. Jesus became the second Adam. Don't let this just be a theological fact that you've heard before. This is incredible. The first Adam failed. He he, he sinned, and through him, Paul is telling us that sin entered into the world, and and it entered into every human being born in, in the likeness now of Adam. Though we still bear the image of God, the image is marred because of our father, Adam. And through him, sin has entered the world and sin has entered into all of us. His unrighteousness is passed on to us. We, we are born, Paul says, with the, with the very guilt of Adam and with the sin nature of Adam granted, given to us. And, and, and here Paul contrasts Adam's failure and sin with the righteousness of the second Adam, Jesus. Where Adam's disobedience led to our condemnation, Jesus' obedience leads to righteousness. And not just his righteousness, but our righteousness. Just, Just as Adam's sin led to the unrighteousness of humanity, Paul is saying the second Adam has come and his righteousness becomes a gift for humanity. Adam's disobedience led to our condemnation. Jesus' obedience leads to the righteousness of all who trust in Him. Jesus was the perfect man. That's what Paul is telling us, at least in part here. Jesus lived the life that Adam was meant to live. Now, I don't know if you are, are like me in this. Like, this is one of those theological facts that I've heard preached and taught before, and I've, I've, I've known. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Jesus, Jesus lived the life that Adam didn't. But I, I, I don't want you to, to miss this. Jesus lived the perfect human life. The, the, the perfect human life that Adam was supposed to live, the perfect human life that you and I were created to live. Remember when Jesus was asked what the greatest command in the law was? And, and, and the, 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 the religious leader was trying to trick him, right? Like to put him in a corner so that whatever he said would probably be the wrong answer and they could attack Jesus. And Jesus answered <laughs> incredibly, Right? The greatest, the greatest command in Scripture is that you love God. You love God with all your heart, mind, and your soul. And then Jesus threw in another one, and he said, And the second is like it, that you love your neighbor as yourself. And, and, and all of the other commands of Scripture, Jesus says, hangs on these two. Loving God and loving people. Right? All of the other laws in Scripture are, are just ways that we love God and we love others. Jesus did that. Jesus loved God perfectly as, as He was created to do, as, as He took on flesh to do, as we were created to do. Jesus did that perfectly where Adam failed, where we failed. Jesus, Jesus loved God perfectly. Jesus loved others perfectly. Jesus lived the perfect human life that Adam was created to live, the perfect human life that we should have lived. And so when we, when we, when we look at that, it's not just a theological idea that says that he is righteous, and thank goodness his righteousness is given to us. It, it, it's, it's more than that. Like, what should Adam have looked like? Jesus. How should Adam have lived his life just like Jesus? How should you and I live our lives? What were we created to be like? Like the second Adam. Jesus is, his is a life to be imitated. In Ephesians 4, really quickly, in Ephesians 4, Paul tells um, the believers that he's writing to in Ephesus that they are to take off the old and put on the new. Um, Dan talked about this yesterday, briefly. Taking off the old and putting on the new. Created, verse 24 says, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Put on the new you created in the very likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. He goes on then in chapter 4 to describe what's put off falsehood, which is the way most people live, whether we want to admit it or not, put away falsehood and speak the truth, right? This is what it means to imitate God, to be like God to be the image of God. We put away falsehood, we speak the truth. Don't steal, but give to others. Don't speak negatively of others, but build up. Don't be bitter and angry, but be kind and tender-hearted. And then he adds, forgiving one another as God has forgiven you in Christ Jesus. And then in chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, he says this, Therefore be imitators of God. God as beloved children, listen, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Imitate God, he says, and if you're not sure how to imitate God, look at Jesus. Look at the second Adam. This is what Adam created in the image of God should have been. He says, walk like Jesus. Jesus is the image of God, the image that we were created to bear. Jesus, who only spoke truth, who who didn't take but gave to others. Jesus, who was forgiving. Be more like Jesus. That's who you were created to be. Paul said to the Corinthians in chapter 11, verse 1, he said, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. Be be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. And what Paul is saying is he's encouraging the believers not really to shape their lives after his life, but only to shape their lives after his life when his life looks like Jesus. You know, ultimately, that's what he's doing, is pointing them and pushing them to the life of Jesus. Now, now stick with me here, right? Because what we're saying is imitate Jesus. You should look like Jesus. When, when I was a young believer, really even before I was a believer, when I was an unbeliever, I had lots of church background. I I knew a lot about the Bible. I knew the gospel. I knew about the life of Jesus because I grew up in church, but I wasn't a believer. And as an unbeliever and and even as um, an early believer, I, I would have stopped right here. Scripture says we need to imitate Jesus. We need to do the things that Jesus does, and so I need to do that. I need, to, I need to work hard to be like Jesus. I need to try hard to be like Jesus. I, 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 I need to work more when I fail so that I can be like Jesus. Now, maybe, maybe it was just me who thought that way, but I don't think so. As a non-Christian, I saw this as an incredible obstacle that I could not overcome. In fact, I saw it as an obstacle that I wasn't even sure that I wanted to overcome. I wasn't sure that I wanted to be like Jesus at all. That, it all. It all sounded pretty dang impossible to me. As an early believer, early as a believer, I, t- I tied my standing for, for several years to, to these commands. Like I, I knew I was supposed to be like Jesus. I mean the whole <laughs> WWJD. Right? We can laugh about it, but that's what it was about. Whatever it is that Jesus would do, you, you need to do that, right? And, and, and so I, I tied my standing with God to how well I was I was living like Jesus. I I I I I saw God as being happy with me when I was doing well in looking like Jesus, or in my mind, right? I thought I was doing well at looking like Jesus. If I if I if I did things like Jesus did, if I if I did all of these things and I did them well, then God was happy with me, and others were happy with me, and and when God is happy with me, He accepts me, and and things are good. And and, and when I failed, right? When I when I saw failure in my life, that I was failing to, to live up to the, the standard that Jesus set, then, then I felt like God was upset with me, maybe even angry with me. And when there was enough failure in my life, God would strike me with some kind of punishment. I mean, that, that was my view of God. That was my view of what it meant to, to, to be an imitator of Jesus, to see this example of the life of Jesus and hear a pastor say, that's the way we are meant to live. That, that's what that felt like. It felt like a, a heavy burden on my life. Now listen to me. That is not the point. I, I want to say that again. That is not the point here. That's, that's not my point. That's not the point uh, of Scripture this morning. I think biblically when we put all of this together, the life of Jesus doesn't give us a list of rules to follow or even things to be. It shows us who we were created to be as image bearers of God. Jesus as, as the perfect man, the, the, the human that we were created to be. Think about it. We were were created to walk with God, like Adam and Eve walked with God. We were created to walk with God. We were were created to to worship him. created to We were created to obey him as our, as our great God, as our creator. We were, we were created to commune with him like Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, to talk with him. And when you read the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see again and again and again, this was the relationship that Jesus had with his father. He communed with His Father. He walked with His Father. You you see Jesus being led by the Holy Spirit, humbly following the leading of the Spirit. You see Jesus submitting to the will of the Father even when it was painful and incredibly difficult. Hear me, it wasn't that Jesus legalistically followed the commands of a God who was waiting to punish Him. Let me say that again to you. It wasn't that Jesus legalistically followed the commands of of some God who was over him waiting to punish him. It wasn't that Jesus obeyed the law legalistically with his teeth gritted. It was that Jesus loved and worshipped his father and by faith he trusted him. In Jesus' life, we, we not only see what it looks like to love God, but also what it looks like to love your neighbor as yourself, right? The two, the two greatest commands. We see it in, in, in his great care for those who were in need. We see it in the way that he, he touched the untouchables. We, 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 we see it in his empathy for those who were hurting. As he looked out, one of the stories that that just, man, just really sticks with me is Jesus looked out over, over his city, over Jerusalem, and he saw what a mess that the city was and how far from walking with God that they were, Matthew says that he was filled with compassion. The words that that are used there to describe the compassion being filled with compassion, what it's really saying is gut-wrenching compassion. Have you ever felt something emotionally so heavy and so hard that it just makes your gut hurt? Physically, Jesus felt pain when he looked out over his city. Jesus was regularly inconvenienced by others, and and he was exhausted. He was exhausted by ministry to them, and he kept going. Yes, he did rest. And he ministered and he ministered and he ministered some more. He met with and he patiently led all types of people, rich and poor, Jew and Gentile, religious people, irreligious people, friends, enemies, all of them. He stood in the gap for for the woman caught in adultery. I love that story. Jesus stood in the gap for the woman caught in adultery. And he loved her enough to say, go and sin no more. He stood up for what was right and in love spoke against what was wrong. He was kind, he was patient, he was gentle, he was self-controlled, he was humble and gracious and merciful, and he always acted justly. He worked and he taught and he rested and he gave and he gave and he gave. That is who we were meant to be. That is the person that God created you to be. That's who God created me to be. And, and I think that that is at least in part what Paul has in mind in Romans eight twenty nine, uh, with that, that, that incredible promise, right, that, that God will one day shape us into the image of Jesus. God will restore us to what we were meant to be. This is... The image of Jesus is is what it means for us to be humans created in the image of God. Now, now let me me try to pull this together a little bit. The good news of of Jesus' life as one for us to be imitated is not that we have a list of things to do. I I want to say that again for the people who are like me. The good news of Jesus' life as one to be imitated is not, 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 so that we have a list of things to do. It, 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 it isn't, see all these great things that Jesus did. Now, in order for you to be loved and accepted, you go and do all of those things. That isn't good news. Listen to me. That is impossible news. That is terrible news. It's really more like this. The good news is that the life of Jesus serves as a mirror for us. We can look into his life and and see, yes, what we we should be, what we were created to be. But more than that, the, the, the mirror shows us what we are not. And that isn't so that as, as followers we would be condemned or, or that we should condemn ourselves. But, but what we are not when we see it and, and, we, and we love Him and we love our, our Father, when we see what we are not in light of what we should be, that, that causes a desire in us to be that. And it also calls us when I, to the one person who can help us be that. When I, when I see, for example, his compassion and I, I reflect on my own lack of compassion, then, then what I see is not a law. Now, I don't want you to see a law and say, well, I've I just got to try harder to be more compassionate. What I see is that that I've 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 failed to to be compassionate like like Jesus, but but what that means is that I'm 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 not what God created me to be. I I see an area of need in my life. I, I want to be that way, and so I cry out to to the God who created me. Father, help me. Help me where where I lack this this compassion. I see a place where I am broken, and, and in, 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 in grief, I, I cry out for more grace. In this way, it is, it is a gift of His grace for, for us to be able to look at the image of Jesus and see this is not, not who we are. Because, because the place for the joy that we all seek, the, the, the place for the, the comfort that we all desire, that, 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 that peace be. And so it's a gift of grace from God for us to look into the mirror of Jesus and see, Oh God, I have, I, I'm, I'm not there. Help me to be there. God, I, I, I see in Jesus who I'm meant to be and I'm not that person. Father, I don't want to feel anger or bitterness or judgment when I look out over my city, when I see the crime rates and the, and the homicides, when I see the, the drugs. I, 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 I want to be gut-wrenched like Jesus. I, I want to look out over my city and feel the pain that Jesus felt for Jerusalem. When I see how patient Jesus is with others, and, and even how patient that Jesus is with me, and, and I look at my own life filled, filled, filled with impatience, I see again that I am not what God intended me to be. Jesus doesn't show me a new law Right? This isn't a new law that, 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 that I am receiving to, to, to be patient. Now, now, you need to try harder to be more patient. He's simply showing me what I was meant to be. And so in my impatience, I try to remember his patience. Again, his patience with me, his patience with the Pharisees and, and with the Sadducees, his patience with his, his own family and his disciples. This is who I am, I am meant to be and I am not. So again, again, I cry out. Father, I want to enjoy the peace that comes with true patience. Help me to see what a mess that I am and in that to see your great patience with me. Help me to humbly and graciously love the people around me so much that my patience is never even stressed. (laughs) Do you hear me? Help me love the people around me so much so that my patience isn't even tested. His life isn't a list of laws for us. His life is the life we were meant for. It's the life that we were made for. Now We're, we're running out of time. I want to I move on to one more way that Jesus' life is good news for us. Y'all, this is good news. It is a gracious gift from God to be able to look into the mirror of Jesus and say, I am not that, but God, help me to be that. Sometimes when we look at Jesus and we see ourselves in that reflection, we can be overwhelmed with grief and sorrow at what we see in the mirror. It is easy to look into his reflection and feel condemned. If we we aren't heaping condemnation on ourselves, um, sometimes it's a Pharisee near us who is heaping condemnation on us. Sometimes if it's not ourselves or some Pharisee, it it is our very real enemy, Satan, who is whispering condemnation in our ear. You, You are too far gone to be loved by God. You have blown it this time. You aren't worthy enough for His, his love. Look, look at how, how far from the mark you are again. It true? I imagine that we have all been there, and, and likely more than once. Yeah, right. But Jesus is, isn't just a life to be imitated. The good news is that Jesus is a life substituted. A life substituted. Going back to that Romans 5 passage from earlier, we see that Paul wrote, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Where Adam's sin brought sin and condemnation to all humanity... Jesus' righteous life leads to the righteousness of many. Through, through the first Adam's disobedience, we were all made guilty. Through Jesus' obedience, many are made righteous. In 2 Corinthians 5:21, Paul wrote, For our sake he made him, talking about Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. This is the great exchange in Scripture. Jesus took our in place of the... and He went to the cross. The, 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 the righteous went in place of the unrighteous. Jesus, the righteous, went to the cross in the place of all of us who are unrighteous. Not only did he take our unrighteousness from us, but in this exchange, he grants to all who trust in him his very righteousness. This is not just theological blah blah, my friends. This is life changing. The, the, the way that I say this most of the time here, here at New City, week after week, is that, that Jesus lived the life that we cannot live. But when we, when we trust Him, when we trust in this provision by God through Christ, His life, death, and resurrection, then, then through that faith we are found in Him. Paul uses that expression over and over and over and over again. We are found in Him through faith. Then what God sees in us and of us is not our sin and guilt. We are in Christ, so He sees the very righteousness of Jesus. Man, y'all ought to be celebrating. Maybe y'all aren't as bad as me. Because this is good news. His perfect life is credited to my account as if I am perfect. So, so, so here's what this means, right? When, when I look into the mirror of Jesus and I see how patient that Jesus is, and I see my own impatience, here is the truth, Okay? I want want to be more like Jesus, and I want to be patient, and I cry out for that patience. But I never stand condemned when I look into the mirror of Jesus. And the reason for that is because when when God looks at me, He sees the patience of Jesus. How freeing is that? When I, when I look into the mirror and I see how loving that Jesus is, and I see all of the areas in my own life that I lack love, man, I, I want to love like Jesus, and so I, I cry out, help me, Father, Father, help me to love like Jesus, but I never stand condemned in the mirror. Because I know when my Father looks at me, what he sees is the love of Jesus. He sees me loving you like Jesus loves you. God God looks at me and, and, and he sees the love that Jesus reflected Every day of his life in teaching and, and healing and, and miracles and the countless days that he spent exhausted meeting the needs of, of others, that, that perfect and righteous love. That's what God sees when he looks at me. Jesus lived the life that I cannot live for me. Let me, let, me, let, me tell, let me tell you this another way. That, that list of all those things that Jesus is shaped into the image of the Father, that list of all those things that you and I were meant to, to be and, and this is how we were meant to live, let me tell you, if you trust in Jesus, you don't have to do a one of them. You do not have to do any of them. Because your righteousness is found in Christ. That's what it means that Jesus lived the life that you can't live. Both of these ways that that, that I've talked about are, are, are incredible, incredible news. As a life to be imitated, God doesn't leave you to wonder. We pursue the, the, the peace that we all desire, the, the, that, 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 that place of, of, of comfort. All of those things, we pursue them in all of these other places. And God is saying, here it is. This is how you were created to be. Here's where your comfort is. Here's where your peace is. Here's where your joy is. This is what you were created to be, like like Jesus, bearing the image of the Father. This is the place of joy for you. This is where your sanctification is headed. This is where your glorification begins and ends. You in the image of Jesus, you in the image of God, you as you were meant to be. Do, Do you believe that? Because if you if you do, it'll change your life. It true? So when 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 I forget that that's the image I was created for, I, I find myself wanting to be like 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 this pastor or or that per pastor or or this leader or or that leader, and, and it isn't because I want to follow them as they follow Christ. It's because I'm trying to be something that I wasn't created to be. I, 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 when I forget this, I, I, I look to other people. When you forget, you do the same thing. We, we all do. We, we, we look to other people and we, we aspire to be other things and we, we find success in places that God never intended it to be. They are not our hero. Jesus. Jesus is our hero. This is the image we were created to bear. When I, when I remember that, when I think about his life, when I, when I read about him, when I listen to others talk about him, when I dwell on that life, and I really, really believe that, that is who I am meant to be, I, I find myself being more like Jesus. I, I find myself being more patient when I, when I dwell on Jesus' patience. I I find myself being more worshipful and and obedient to the Father when I I really dwell on the fact that this is what I was created to be. I, I find myself thinking of myself less and others more. When I find myself looking at him and not meeting the mark. But I remember that I don't have to meet the mark. I, I, I remember the good news that He has already met the mark for me. I, I remember the incredible news that God sees me, even now in my failure, as holy and righteous and pure because of the life of Jesus. Man, what, 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 what sweet relief floods my soul. I mean that. There is no condemnation. I am not not heaped with guilt. Repent and believe the good news and rest in His peace. What what humbling joy fills me. It it is humbling. Because if we're honest about who we are in that mirror, man, how beautiful grace becomes. I I can rest in his life and and, and not in my own. I I can relax and know that I am loved because the Father sees me not as broken and fallen and stained with sin, filthy and dirty. He sees me as beautiful and spotless and without blemish as though I lived the life of Jesus. And when I think about that, I really am humbled and I am awed. I am blown away by such amazing and indescribable grace. And that grace doesn't lead me to sin more. It does just the opposite. When, when, when I really dwell on that beautiful grace, I, 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 I am moved to be nearer to Him. I, I, am, I am moved to be more like Jesus. It, it is a desire that, that, that flows from my heart. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm even moved to share this good news with other people. This is the good news of his life. And the gospel is... Do you know this good news? Do you, do you believe it? Do you you really deeply believe it and cling to it? Because I am 100% certain of this. Faith in this good news will change your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for Jesus who, who is our everything. Father, I pray that these truths of your grace and the good news of Jesus' life would would sink deep in our hearts, that this wouldn't just be some, some, some facts of theology or church or the Bible, but real, real for us. Help us in our unbelief.